Coming up today on Locked On Big Ten, we've got a whole lot of Big Ten games this weekend to talk about in what might be the most exciting conference to watch here in week one. We'll chat about all of it with Isaiah Hole, our Thursday co-host and the host of Locked On Wolverines. And we're also bringing in the host of Locked On Hoosiers, Jacob Root, to break down the Hoosiers and the Hawkeyes, Iowa against Indiana on Saturday. It's a whole lot to talk about, so let's get into it on Locked On Big Ten. Our Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single weekday. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson, joined by our Thursday co-host, Isaiah Hull of the Locked On Wolverines podcast. We've got a whole lot of games to talk about. Jacob Rood is coming in later to talk Indiana and Iowa. But first, let's get that Michigan perspective that Isaiah is so good at always bringing in. Isaiah, you cover this team. You're coming into a game against Western Michigan that you set off camera. You're not worried about it all, but... What is it that you're looking for going into this weekend in a first week game against a team that, again, the the local fans probably care about being able to beat? Well, I mean, obviously, there's a lot to a lot to learn about Michigan. Uh, we've heard all offseason about the culture changes that have happened within Schembechler Hall, the energy uh, coming off of a two and four season. I mean, there's there's a lot that we need to know. I mean, they and they completely overhauled the the defensive side of the ball schematically and coaching wise. There's only one returning defensive coach. They shifted coaches around on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and then you have a new starting quarterback, essentially. He's only started one game for Michigan and Cade McNamara. So uh, we, we need to see how this all works. How quickly can the defense get uh, get up to speed under Mike McDonald, who comes from the Baltimore Ravens? He was a linebackers coach there last year. So how, how quickly can all of those pieces start working together? I mean, the defense was the trouble area last year. And uh, but they still have a lot of talent. People think that Michigan doesn't have talent. They've recruited better than any other team in the Big Ten, except for Ohio State. So I'm curious to see how much is that talent able to be on display? It is a talent mismatch, of course, Michigan versus Western Michigan. But Western Michigan does have some pieces. I mean, they're they're really good up front on both sides of the ball. Uh, particularly uh, you're, what you're going to the, the matchup that we want to see, considering that the cornerbacks were an issue for Michigan early on last year, uh, seeing uh, Caleb Ellaby, the, the the now he's a grizzled veteran in his second year starting, but uh, Caleb Ellaby being a guy who can really throw downfield to a couple veteran wildly wide receivers. Uh, how much are they going to be able to take advantage of uh, any potential early Michigan secondary woes so uh, a lot to try to to really kind of glean from this game but at the same time uh, like I said it's a big talent mismatch it's something that last year uh, we didn't get the benefit of non-conference uh, when it came to uh, to teams that were putting in you know their new starting quarterbacks like Michigan was last year uh, or even just being able to tool around with uh, the current scheme, see what players can do within it, new starters. Now a lot of those players that were new starters last year, they return with experience. Maybe it was bad experience, but it's still experience. So really curious to see uh, how either dominant or how flat Michigan ends up looking in this first game. Well, 
the execution is really the question, which is why Michigan fans are probably going to be more tuned into this game than maybe some of the other teams that have some week up one kind of halfway warmups in like Western Michigan. The talent's always there. We know that. Jim Harbaugh stayed strong on the recruiting trail. That Michigan name always stays strong in recruiting, too. It's just a matter of what ends up happening out on the field. And again, mm-hmm. Wolverines fans are going to be interested in seeing it and definitely very interested in how good Michigan looks early. Let's talk about the team from Ohio. Isaiah, that team plays tonight against Minnesota, a gopher team that, like many teams in the Big Ten, have expectations for this season with a lot of players returning. But this is Ohio State. It's a two-touchdown spread still, despite all that hype around the Gophers. Are you expecting anything outside of an Ohio State big win to start off the season? It just doesn't seem like it's a situation where it would be Minnesota's night tonight. I I am not. I I think uh, I've been making the joke all week that – this can't believe this game is about to kick off. It's the, you know, that this, and as they're about to kick off, Ohio State has had a commanding 45 point lead because that's the type of thing that kind of feels like, right? And that's how Ohio State tends to operate. Now, uh, Ryan Day's Ohio State teams have gotten out to faster starts than Urban Meyer, uh, Ohio State teams. But uh, with that in mind, I, I, I don't think you're going to see a type of game per se uh, like, uh, like you used to see under Urban Meyer where the season opener, they'd be playing a lackluster opponent. Uh, obviously Minnesota is not that, but, uh, or even, even when they played Indiana back in uh, 2017, it seemed like it took a little time for them to pull away, but once they pulled away, they did. Uh, I, I think that this Ohio state team is hungry. They do have some question marks though, however. And I think that that is where maybe things could go differently. I, I, we, we talk about CJ Stroud as if he is uh as if he's the next man up in the sense of uh, every Ohio State quarterback has gotten better somehow, uh, for all the way from Braxton Miller, JT Barrett, Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields. Uh, I, I would expect a little bit of a come-to-earth moment with C.J. Stroud, just in the sense of he's more JT Barrett than he is Justin Fields. You know, I don't think he's going to be that, uh, that blazing world record-setting type of guy. Uh, and we have to keep in mind, he's never taken a snap. You look at Minnesota on the, on the defensive side of the ball. It's, it's most of the experience returning. You do lose Ben St. Juiced, but nonetheless, I mean, there, there's still a lot of experience there. And then on the other side, you still have Tanner Morgan uh, and Mo Ibrahim. So it's curious. I'm curious to see how much, uh, Minnesota is going to be able to go out there and hang with them, especially that that returning offensive line also I think makes a could make a big difference when you're going up against a lot of guys. They don't have uh they don't have a lot of that bulk they had because they're off into the NFL. Uh but they still have some some guys that that are really good out on the edge. You look at uh at Zach Harrison, the five star. Uh I'm I'm curious to see does he finally become that. So there, there's a lot uh, a lot of intrigue in this game. I still think Ohio State will end up winning by multiple scores, but there's a lot of question marks when it comes to the Buckeyes. And I, I, I think I would still be surprised if it ends up being a tighter game. But let, let's just put it this way. To me, it's must-see TV. I'm not going to see the new Marvel movie, Shang-Chi, tonight. I'm going to see it tomorrow afternoon because I absolutely don't want to miss a second of this game. Yeah, I'll have my eyes on it as well, too. But I, I've got plenty to say about that Minnesota-Ohio State game, and I'll talk about it at some point, too. Uh, Isaiah, is there anything else you're looking out for as far as just these first week matchups, aside from the big ones that we know about, uh, 
obviously Penn State, Wisconsin, obviously Indiana, Iowa. As far as these teams that are maybe aren't playing the big marquee names, what do you at least want to know about maybe like one of these squads after week one? As much as I, I, I like to make fun of Rutgers on my own time, I, I, I really am bullish on what they're becoming, what they will become under Greg Schiano. So I want to see them actually uh, see what they're able to do against Temple. And unfortunately, that game's postponed until till Saturday. But I, I, I want to see because uh, they're actually considered a, a favorite in that game. Uh, Temple, I know it's a couple years removed from being a really good team, but uh, nonetheless, I mean, that's the type of game. This is the type of game that Rutgers would have lost a couple years ago uh, when Chris Ash was still the head coach. I want to see how are they able to, to go out? Are they going to be able to, to continue to show the improvement that we saw a year ago? Uh, if they are, uh, then maybe we're in a situation where, for the most part, the, the cream is starting to rise, you know, in the Big Ten, because that's one of the, the big differences. When I look at the SEC, they don't have that even like they do have a bottom tier and you look at Vanderbilt, uh, you know, sometimes maybe you, you look at uh, depending on a year to year basis, Arkansas, Mizzou, it was really good at the beginning, you know, and then eventually started to fall off. Uh, but to me, the, the majority, I would say 95% of the SEC is strong enough to where you could put any of those teams up against say a Pac-12 team or a, a Big 12 team. And, and you kind of feel like they're going to have that chance. Big 10 has really kind of been that upper half and bottom half, the tale of two. Uh, so I, I'm curious to see if Rutgers can can start to pound on teams that are like still really good group of five schools like uh, like Temple. That could be a sign that the Big 10 is starting to enter that territory as well. Yeah, and that's really something the conference could really use. One of those teams that's been added in being able to get a kind of foothold in the conference because they've really struggled with that mainly or partly at least because I mean Temple's more in Big Ten country than Rutgers is if you ask me but that's a conversation for another day Isaiah we've got Jacob Rude on to talk about one of the big matchups Indiana and Iowa here in just a minute on Locked On Big Ten we'll have that conversation with Jacob here as we continue along with the show and continue to preview a big first week in the conference I'm Nate Dickinson here with Locked On hey Nate Dickinson here with Locked On Big Ten well, it's that time of year when you want to go out and take the car for a cruise, but you never want anything to go wrong when you're trying to relax out there on the road. So go on over to rockauto.com and make sure that you're getting all the parts that you may need for a repair or just an upgrade on your car at the best price and with the easiest route to getting it done, too. Rock Auto has everything that you might need for your car. They can make sure that the part that you're getting is the perfect part exactly that you need. And they cut out the middleman of either the dealership or the part shop that can upcharge you quite a bit. You'll get the best prices and it delivered to your front door right there at rockauto.com. Head on over to rockauto.com and if you end up using the service, make sure you let them know that you heard from us by hitting Locked On in their little How Did You Hear About Us box. Welcome back into Locked On Big Ten alongside our Thursday co-host, Isaiah Hole of Locked On Wolverines. We welcome in the host of Locked On Hoosiers, Jacob Rude, into the program to talk about a big matchup here for Indiana. Jacob, thanks for coming in with us. I want to start off the bat by just talking about the atmosphere right now. Obviously, things are bumping in Bloomington after a whole lot of anticipation. This is the most hyped up team maybe in all of the Big Ten outside of just 
the hype Ohio State gets every year. What would it mean to Indiana to get this win? How devastating would it be to all of that hype if it ended up coming away with a loss and an 0-1 start? Well, I would say on the, the latter point first, uh, it, for as much expectations as there are with this team, uh, the baseline is still that this is Indiana football. So I don't know that there'll be too much devastation or anything like that. Uh, with a loss, I think it's something I've talked about with a couple different guests we've had on, but I, I still feel the general consensus for a successful season is bowl eligibility, and this isn't an, a necessary game for that. Uh, obviously, there are higher expectations, but I, I still feel like the baseline is that, and uh, when it comes to getting to those six wins, which is still just kind of a, a habit of nature, is just finding where those six wins are coming. This isn't a requirement. Now, that being said, if the Hoosiers are looking to, to continue progressing from last season, then this game does become a little bit more important because something like seven, seven wins probably is on par with last year. Eight wins is uh, building on that. And to get kind of those eight, nine wins, you're, you're probably going to have to win one of these games. So uh, this is a big game. I, I certainly don't want uh, to make it seem any less than what it is. It's definitely the most hyped game I can remember for Indiana, and I've been a fan for over a decade. So it, it's definitely the most excited anybody's been for a season opener. Uh, but I certainly don't think it's if we lose, this is – this is a terrible outcome type of situation. I, I think there's a lot of room we could still make up the rest of the way. It's a really tough way to open your uh, to open your season at Iowa. Now, can, I can this, have, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go. Well, I'm just going to ask. Can this go? <laughs> we're we're doing it. Uh, looking at uh, at what Indiana actually, considering you did have all the success, you bring back so many players. You, you obviously the most important quarter uh, position quarterback, Michael Penix, probably being at least in my eyes, as much as CJ Stroud is getting, uh, getting a lot of attention. I mean, he's the guy who actually returns with experience, you know, mm -hmm. and he's actually done it. Uh, I think he's probably the, in my eyes, the best quarterback in the big 10, at least from what we've seen so far, you bring back him, you bring back Ty Freifogel. You, you've got, uh, you got some really great guys on the other side, uh, Taiwan Mullen. Uh, how much do you feel like that will obviously help, you know, maybe propel Indiana into the similar type of situation as they had last year? Or conversely, do you feel like now the Hoosiers have their, a target on their backs? Well, they certainly have a target on their back. They, I think one of the things that helped them last year is they were basically able to sneak up on a lot of teams because a lot of people just felt that this was – this is Indiana football and, and they have that kind of reputation. So the – Tom Allen always gives like a, a specific word for each season. And honestly, for a couple seasons, it was breakthrough and IU broke through last year. So the word now is chase to make sure that they kind of realize the the job isn't done and they still have something to chase for. So uh, I, there's certainly going to be a target on the back. There's going to be a couple games. I'm sure Penn State is certainly going to want some uh, re revenge from last season, things like that. But you're right. This is probably the most talented roster Indiana's had in 50 years, at least, when they went to the Rose Bowl in the 60s. Uh, you have multiple preseason All-Americans, Taiwan Mullen and Micah McFadden, 
Penix, as you said, is one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. Ty Freifogel was first team all conference. Like there's so much talent here that, I mean, that's why the expectations are so high is that this team has talent. It has depth. Uh, it's That's another thing that they've lacked. They've had some top end talent before, but it's been a very top heavy team. They have some depth this season, especially on the defensive end. So I, that is a big reason why this team is coming in with so many expectations is because there's so many different pieces that are super talented. Like like we we spent time talking about Penix, but there's two preseason All-Americans on the, on the defense and Tywin Mullen and Micah McFadden. So uh, this team – is is loaded everywhere and like i said it's one of the most talented teams i use ever had i i gotta ask just i don't know if that means there's a target on the back though man it's just i get that i mean the, the motto kind of contradicts what you just said are, are they chasing or are they being chased i think there's a difference between being someone that teams can't get creeped up on with uh, is or over being a team that like has a target on its back i feel like for the rest of the Big Ten, the teams that aren't like fighting for the top, yeah, Indiana is now a big game. But for all the other really good teams out there in the conference, I feel like, for instance, Iowa's coming into this matchup, still feeling like Indiana is a very beatable team. And honestly, with the Iowa standard, a team that the Hawkeyes kind of have to beat to keep the fans happy, keep the season off to a good start that honestly is going to keep everything at peace over there in Iowa. I don't know if Indiana necessarily has the target on its back yet with all the big schools. And honestly, they're suffering a little bit from like what I'd like to call the P.J. Fleck effect. People are talking a lot uh, mm-hmm. about this team, the way P.J. Fleck likes to talk about his Minnesota Gophers. I feel like that gives other teams a bit of an edge going into the game. Maybe that's a target on the back, the hype that's been coming into this season. But I, I don't know if, as far as just what Indiana's actually proven yet. I don't know if they've earned that respect so far. Yeah, I mean, it's fair. It, we're in this kind of, I mean, it's a unfamiliar zone for Indiana football where we're certainly not with those elite teams like you mentioned. Uh, we're nowhere near Ohio State, anything like that. But just to be a kind of middle of the pack, maybe above average Big Ten team is new ground for us as well. So it's it's an odd feeling to have games in the Big Ten season that we feel we should be winning. Like it's odd to say that just six wins would be a, a probably a disappointing season when for so long we didn't even make it to bowl games. So it's a it's it's a fair point. It's it's just such a weird kind of area for IU because um, yeah, we're not with those elite teams yet, but there schools like Iowa, uh, schools like I don't know, your Minnesotas uh, and, and things like that. They have to take IU a little bit more seriously, and that alone is just sign of, of the progress Tom Allen has made um, throughout his time here at IU. This might be a little bit more of something that uh, I want to know as someone who covers Michigan, mm-hmm. but uh, I, certainly I've been asked this by uh, by fans on Lockdown Wolverines, but how much does it hurt to lose Mike Hart? Uh, what, what, what did he bring to – not just the running backs room, of course, but I mean, he was an associate head coach uh, promoted to that position last year. Uh, what, what, what does uh, Indiana lose by not having him on staff? 
it always felt inevitable that he was eventually going to return to Michigan. So uh, I, I certainly am not surprised. I don't think many IU fans were surprised when he left. Yeah, he was a, a huge voice on this team. It's no, it's not a coincidence that during his time here, uh, we had guys like Jordan Howard. We had guys like uh, Tevin Coleman, I think might have been at the very back end. We had some really good running backs and we we're able to recruit some really good running backs when Mike Hart was here. And that's not a coincidence. He was a, a huge voice for this team. He was a big voice for uh, in recruiting on the recruiting trail. Tom Allen kind of talked about that during the preseason, that this is kind of a consequence of building a, a strong program, is that you're going to have coaches like that kind of poached off from from different areas. We have a new defensive coordinator this season, Charlton Warren. Uh, we have a, a offensive coordinator in his second year, Nick Sheridan. So I use kind of learning that when you find success in these different areas, you're going to get some names picked off. Uh, for now, he's done a really good job of replacing those names. The The guy that replaced Mike Hart is Della McCullough, who was coaching in the NFL for the Buccaneers. And, uh, or excuse me, the, the Chiefs, sorry. He was coaching in the NFL for the Chiefs and uh, came to IU. So, so far he's been able to replace those um, guys like that with, with uh, appropriate like replacements, and there hasn't been a drop-off. But Mike Hart was a, a big piece of that coaching staff. He was, it was a little, he was a little more behind the scenes, and there was a lot of times where I would say, oh, well, you know, Mike Hart, uh, helped recruit that, and people would be like, oh, that Mike Hart. So um, he was important. It, it's a big loss. But so far to date, Tom Allen's done a really good job of finding guys to replace um, those losses. But there's a couple different coaching positions that uh, I used had to fill going into this season as well that maybe haven't been talked about as much. Well, Jacob, we got you on here to talk about the matchup this weekend against Iowa. So let's get into the game itself. Your initial reaction just from the opposing viewpoint of what the Hawkeyes bring to the table and how Indiana matches up well, not so well with what they'll bring this weekend. Yeah, I mean, there's a certain kind of baseline of what you expect from from Iowa. They're always going to have really strong offensive and defensive lines. And those two alone right away are going to um, put Indiana to the test because those were two areas that, frankly, underperformed last year. The offensive line really struggled. IU didn't really have a run game for most of the season, uh, especially against some of the better teams. IU really struggled to get anything going on the ground, and that's why Penix had to throw – I think 50 times against Ohio state and things like that happened. So uh, this will be a big test. Pretty much everybody from that offensive line is back, which might be a good thing, might be a bad thing. They, they talked about having the experience back, but yeah, I mean, it was still a, an underperforming line last season. So uh, that'll be a, a really big test right away from them. And then on the defensive line, uh, it was, I use defense has obviously been really good under Tom Allen, but last season it really wasn't because of their defensive line. Uh, it was because of a lot of the guys around them. They just statistically didn't get a ton of production from the defensive line um, outside of Jerome Johnson, who left to go to the NFL. So they have a couple transfers, Ryder Anderson and uh, Jaron Handy are two names to, to kind of watch out for. They're both, guys the coaching staff has, has talked a lot about and they're both 
Um, Anderson will start handy as second string, but uh, the way Indiana kind of rotates on the defensive line, they're both going to get a ton of time. So I think those were the two things that kind of jumped out to me right away is that both of these lines that struggled a bit uh, at times last year are going to be in for big tests right away in week one. Well, Indiana does have on that defensive side leading tackler, Micah McFadden coming back. We already mentioned Mullen in the defensive backfield will be there too. So there's plenty of other options to try and help fill in whatever holes there may be anywhere else on that defensive side. But it seems like a pretty strong unit overall. On the other side of things, my initial reactions with Iowa were pretty much the same, Jacob. This is a solid team and a really big test in that first week. But maybe not like the test you want right off the bat. Like yeah. maybe a good first test would be like Ball State or some other MAC team. Get this like week three or week four. How are you feeling about just how solid you know Iowa is going to be and how Indiana might react to that, given just that this is a more kind of up-in-the-air team, just the way people talk about it. I don't know. It's Iowa. It's a team that you know is going to be solid. So if you're not, you're going to be ending up going home with a loss. Yeah, I mean, that's all of that is exactly how I felt with this game. And uh, it doesn't help that Michael Penix is only nine months removed from ACL surgery. That's been one of the big questions uh, leading into this is his health. And uh, they finally committed on Monday to saying he'll be the starter. They kept saying it was just like a, a wording thing. Like They kept saying, we expect him to be the starter. We expect him to be the starter. They committed to it to to just make sure there wasn't any questions this week. But, I mean, he's going to have some rust he has to shake off after not – he hasn't really taken a hit. They've talked about through fall camp and everything. There's going to be a certain level of, of kind of rust and getting used to just – being hit again and and learning to trust that knee. And as you said, it'd be a lot nicer if we were learning about all that against Ball State and not against Iowa on the road in the first game with fans in over a year. So there's certainly a lot of concerns in that regard, just how Indiana is going to um, just adapt to to that environment. I think it's going to be a really crazy environment on Saturday, a big ranked game, fans coming back, Big Ten opener, all that stuff is going to factor in. So Indiana is certainly going to have a test right away and certainly are going to um, answer some questions, maybe good or bad, about what this team is going to be overall this season. Now you mentioned that new defensive coordinator. Uh, How quickly do you feel like this team has gotten acclimated to – to having uh, obviously anytime you have a holistic change on the side of the ball uh, it, it's always going to be uh, an adjustment period. Uh, how, how quickly do you feel like they're, they've been able to adjust, you know, sight unseen of course, because you know, mm-hmm. we haven't seen them play a game and how different is what they're uh, what they're bringing out scheme wise. Yeah. I don't expect anything different scheme wise. There's, there's again, kind of a baseline. Tom Allen was a, a defensive coordinator first and, he, he didn't give up those defensive play calling duties until a couple of years ago. So there's always kind of a baseline. They're going to run uh, two linebackers, five players in the secondary. They have that kind of unique Husky position that's a, a safety linebacker hybrid. Uh, all those things are, are going to be the same. But uh, Taiwan Mullen talked this week about that very question and how long it took to just kind of get acclimated and things like that. And 
Um, he said, I mean, there's obviously kind of a learning process, just learning the head coach, the head coach learning the team. IU returns so many guys from this defense that in, in a lot of senses, it's it's almost a good time to have a, uh, a, a coaching change, a defensive coordinator change, and that there's a there's just going to be a baseline of what this team is going to be able to do and do well. It's not like there's a whole bunch of new faces also learning a new scheme or anything like that. Um, so there, there's a certain bit of the coaching adapting to the players as well. And this isn't the, the first time that they've had a new defensive coordinator come in and it's, it's worked in the past. I think largely because while Tom Allen's kind of given up play calling duties on that end, there's still, I mean, his imprint is still on how that defense plays. It's a defense that has always succeeded in takeaways. It feels like one of those things that eventually there's going to be a regression to the mean, but it's a it's an aspect of the defense they're always strong in. They always there's a fluidity with that defense where they bring blitzes from different areas that you don't really expect. And there, there's just certain baselines like that that are always uh, going to be part of a Tom Allen defense, but it, it is something to to kind of learn from. They're in a good position to, as I said, kind of absorb a new defensive coordinator. And uh, but again, it'd be a lot it'd be a lot better if they were learning about a new def- defensive coordinator against a MAC team and not Iowa. Guys, basically, what we've been saying over the course of the last oh, I don't know, close to twenty minutes now is. Really just what the AP poll told us a couple of weeks ago. Both these teams are good. There's weapons on the offensive side that suggest that there could be some explosive plays in this matchup. There's solid enough defenses all around on both sides to suggest that they could be able to control this matchup. Jacob, where do you think this game goes as far as how many points are getting scored here and just kind of game flow? And which side do you think benefits at all from any sort of kind of roadmap to how they get to the end of this game? Yeah, when typically when these two teams play, it's a lot of points. Um, Indiana hasn't always had a, uh, a strong defense or a defense as good as the one they have, uh, but the, this is typically just in the history been a, a high-scoring game between the two sides. So in that regard, um, I, whatever the over-under is, I would say take the over this weekend. But um, it, it's interesting because I think Iowa has – um, some things that they have to to figure out. Uh, they obviously have some some key pieces back. Spencer Petrus, obviously, uh, Tyler Goodson are, are both great anchors to have. We talked about having good offensive and defensive lines. So uh, both sides have a lot of anchor pieces like that that will be able to help kind of guide them through what's going to be a really tough game. Um, I, I still think IU I mean IU returned 18 starters from last season's team so the I think that kind of baseline really helps them in this situation just having so much familiarity um, so much comfort with one another that I would kind of give them a slight edge in that regard just in terms of kind of talent and familiarity with one another I still probably think overall in terms of the game Iowa's probably got the advantage just because it's a home game and there's a a certain level of what the fans will bring that will kind of elevate them. Um, This is going to be a really, really tough test 
for IU. I know I've said that a couple times, but um, I, I'm excited to see fans back in the stadium. I just wish it was a, a neutral game <laughs> that I could be watching it and not uh, IU at Iowa. Hmm. Well, before we let you go, Jacob, uh, Isaiah, I got to go back to something that he mentioned off the top, and he was saying that there's a path to six wins and fans still being satisfied here. I'll, I'll ask you as someone who is an expert as far as maybe over-expectations from fans. Do you buy that? Do you feel like Indiana fans would still be happy with only six wins and a bull berth? Or, or is Jacob about to feel, if that happens, the wrath of just how bad a winning season can get from a fan's perspective? Well, I think it all depends on just what, what how, you know, how much has the Iowa fan base, sorry, Indiana fan base bought into uh, into this team being really good. Uh, I, I think that, yeah, of course, it could be expected that they could lose this game. They could lose against Penn State and Michigan and Ohio State. And uh, that that kind of brings us back to the status quo. I, I think that the thing that fans are going to want to see in order to be happy, if if they do kind of return to, to somewhat uh, return to the mean as far as the one loss record is, do they remain competitive against those uh, those teams that are considered to be uh, the the bigger than life schools in the Big Ten? Uh, I think that that's a really important uh, aspect that you you're competitive in those games. If you're not competitive against uh, against Penn State, Michigan, Iowa, uh, and you and you lose, then it feels like some kind of regression, right? So you need to be able to at least be able to put something out there that says. Uh, you know, we, we might not have been able to get the wins. Uh, and I still think that Indiana is going to be good enough to get some of those wins. But I think that that's uh, being able to show that, hey, we can still compete. We can still do that. And then on top of that, beating the teams that you're supposed to beat. Because I think that uh, on a yearly basis, you you look at a, t- a school like Indiana, you know that generally they are going to be that competitive team. I and mean, they've, they've, it's been a long time coming for them to, to beat Michigan and Penn State. I don't think it's that much of a surprise that they were able to get it done last year. Uh, but I think when you look at the other schools that they have to face, particularly in the Big Ten, uh, you, you look at the Michigan States right now, Rutgers, a tough, a increasingly tough Maryland team. Those are schools that Indiana, with all of that experience, needs to beat. And I think that if you don't go out and win those games, that's, I think, when despite the fan base, uh, still kind of feeling like whatever we get is a gravy. That's the moment that you start to maybe find a little bit of dissatisfaction in the sense that they weren't able to get things done. That said, I still think that they will get a lot of that done. Yeah, I would well, just add posed- in, I was just going to add in real quick that it, it does matter what the six wins are that Indiana gets and, and who they're beating and how they're competing against them. And yeah, all, all those points are, are very fair that it's always tough in the big 10 East to, uh, to get those wins, but yeah, absolutely who they're beating and making sure that they're not getting blown out or any, they're staying competitive in those games against Penn state against Ohio state, Michigan, things like that, that, uh, that, that does matter as well. So, um, but yeah, I, it, it's still it's just still an odd feeling because before 2015, it had been IU had been to one bowl game in 20 years. So the idea that a bowl game uh, would be a disappointment, I mean, it, it could be true depending on how IU gets there. But I guess that's just the the sign of a, a program improving. So it's a weird feeling that I may have to get used to real quick this season. 
Well, uh, as Isaiah posed that initial question, it depends on how much the fans have bought into what Tom Allen is selling. That's the one thing I know I don't have to ask Jacob about. Indiana fans definitely love everything that Tom Allen has done so far. They'll be even more bought in if they can get that big win this weekend to start the season. Jacob Root, of course, will be all over it on the Locked On Hoosiers podcast every single weekday. Everything you need to know about that team. And Isaiah Holes over at Locked On Wolverines as well. Thank you guys for joining us here on the show today. Jacob will, of course, have you back on soon. Isaiah as well. Hey, Nate Dickinson here with Locked On Big Ten. BetOnline.ag is the place to go for any of your online sportsbook needs. The baseball season is back underway. The NBA Finals are wrapping up. And, of course, I know you're already looking at some of those football futures for the fall as well. Whatever your need may be, as far as sports betting goes, betonline.ag can help you make your money. Head on over to betonline.ag right now for all the best lines, all the news you need to make sure you're up to date before you put those bets in, and we'll get you some free money to start out with, too. If you go to betonline.ag right now and use our promo code Locked On you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% on top of whatever you put into your account that first time you put money in, just add it on for free. Thanks to the people over at BetOnline. It's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts.